0: Alright, this morning we're in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 24. Uh, We're going to be talking about fellowship mostly, which is a very significant and very important aspect of the Christian life. Now, I know that, um, well I think sometimes when we think of uh, fellowship, I think sometimes we uh, think of it in the sense of friendship, or when we're just spending time with other Christians at church, when we're out and about and things like that. And uh, that's not wrong, uh, necessarily, but the concept of fellowship in the scriptures is something very dynamic and very in-depth. It's more than social interaction, it's more than acquaintanceship, and it's more than even friendship, actually. It's something heavenly that God has given to his church, it's powerful, it's intimate, Uh, it's a, a relationship of participation and communion, one with another, fueled by God's Spirit, and it's useful in producing God's will in our lives. And so it's a really important part of the Christian life. Our text gives us uh, six different insights into Christian fellowship and how we participate. Uh, you know, so not only what it is, but how we do it. And so uh, we're excited about that. So let's read our passage, starting in verse 19 of chapter 2. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly... That I also may be encouraged when I know your state, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven character, speaking of Timothy, that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Therefore I hope to send him at once, as soon as I see how it goes with me. But I trust in the Lord, that I myself shall also come shortly. Six verses with six elements to consider this morning. Uh, you know, We're talking about fellowship and how we interact with other believers. But you know, a lot of this also applies to just our daily living out before the Lord because our daily living includes being connected to the body of Christ both locally and at large as we look at the scriptures. And so first, fellowship is about sharing with one another. Look at verse 19 again. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state. The fundamental beginning of Christian fellowship is going past introduction and entering into involvement on a spiritual and a physical level. You know The Apostle Paul is saying here that what happens to the Philippians does have a real impact on him and vice versa. In fact, uh, much of this, uh, the opening chapter is about how he's reporting to them what's going on and how they don't need to worry because they were being affected by the fact that he was imprisoned and, and he was explaining to them what his state was. And uh, it's important to Paul that they share what's going on and that he receives that information and he's hoping to be encouraged by that. And so it's more than a hello. It's more than just a friendship or more than just catching up. It's a real spiritual connection together between people who have shared their lives with one another and who have a common goal of glorifying the Lord and accomplishing his will. In the Bible, God's people are called upon to go past introduction and into involvement with one another. He calls us to assemble together. He calls us to bear one another's burdens. We're to confess our sins to one another. We're to exhort one another. We're to have intimate, personal uh, relationship with other Christians centered on Jesus and cooperative with each other. That's what we're called to do in the New Testament. Now, I'm not saying that every person who's a Christian has to be a vacation buddy or you know has to be your best friend or someone that you talk to on the phone every night for an hour. That's not what we're saying. However, Christian to Christian, we are to have a care for each other and an involvement in each other's lives. We're not to be isolated, but we're to be connected together. Uh, The things that are going on in the lives of other Christians in this church or at our jobs or in our families, they need to concern us. It's important to us what happens to other Christians and what happens to us should be important to them as well. Because we are called to a mindset and a lifestyle of focus on God and focus on others. That's what we've seen so far in this book. Paul has given us a lot of words about being others-oriented as we submit ourselves to Jesus' lordship already in this letter. And so fellowship is about really sharing, not just socializing. Next, verse 20. "'For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state.'" Uh, the second aspect of fellowship is sincerity. Um I find that I tend to be a bare minimum kind of guy. what what can I what can I what's the least that I can do so that I can say my goal is accomplished? you know and um, you know, I think that's most of human nature and and uh, but that's not how it works in the church, and that's not the kind of relationship that we're called to with other Christians. Uh, this is why taking on the mind of Christ that Paul talked about, is so essential to our Christian living day by day. Because without the mind of Christ, we're going to have an impossible time dying to self. And above many things, Christians are called upon and commanded to die to self. We're going to have a very difficult time when it comes to uh, fellowshipping with others and caring for others uh, when we are being self-centered and not other-centered. We're going to have a very difficult time when it's time to rejoice with them or when it's time to mourn with them, when it's time to help them and reach out to them. Even Paul Paul points out here in this verse that there really are very few people who take hold of that mind of Christ. Uh, He says, you know, there's almost no one like-minded with me who will sincerely care for you guys. But we are called to a sincere care for our fellow believers. Now, the way to cultivate that fruit and that characteristic in our lives is to ask the Lord for it. Uh, A lot of times, you know... I think we read a passage like this and we think okay well i need to have a sincere care for people you know all the time uh so how do i do that you know how am i supposed to develop that that seems like a far-off lofty goal but the way that we cultivate that fruit in our lives is to ask the lord for it he's the one that bears fruit in our lives and so we need to be diligent about asking god to just give us a greater love and a greater compassion and a greater mercy for the people and especially the christians around us God is not going to withhold those desires from you. Uh, We receive that sincerity that He wants for us. We receive it from Him as we receive His heart and His vision and His desire. So if we ask for those things, the Lord is going to be faithful to deliver them to us. We want the treasures of our faith to be sincere and genuine. We don't want what we're storing up to be counterfeit or corrupted in any way. We receive that purifying and that refining work from Jesus Christ who is going to work in us a mind and a heart that is dedicated to caring for others uh, above ourselves. A sincere fellowship. Next, verse 21. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. We're, calling, uh, we're called to si- sharing in our fellowship. We're called to sincerity in our fellowship. And here that we see a key in our relationship to one another is that we seek the things which are of Christ Jesus. That's up to us. That's, that's on us right now, today. Uh, As Bible commentator H.A. Ironside points out, our standing before God is one thing, speaking of our salvation, our actual state before God is another. If we take anything away from our studies in this epistle, it should be that Christian life is not lived passively. We don't just sit back and, you know, the Christian life just happens on its own. You know, the Christian life is something that is active. You know, it has to happen actively as we participate, as we actively submit to God, actively thinking of others, actively preaching and testifying of Jesus Christ as our hope and our salvation. Those are actions that we're called into as disciples. Uh, We're not only to run toward those heavenly pursuits of, you know, preaching and testifying and submitting and thinking of others, but we're also called to run away from carnality and worldliness and self-glorification and so as individuals and as a church we are to surrender our activity each day to the sovereign will of god who as we've seen has a plan not only for each life individually but he also has a greater plan for the local church the church at large and the world at large and so we saw that last week how the Lord not only has a specific plan for my life as an individual, but He also wants to use my life and uh, you know, uh, He wants to use what He's doing in me to impact other people out there in the world, both in the church and those who are lost. And so when we become self-centered, when we're seeking to benefit ourselves rather than serve and edify those around us, then we invariably become neglectful of God's plan for our life. Because God's plan for our life is not about self-centeredness. It's about being others centered. A good daily reminder is found in Matthew six, we're familiar with this passage. Jesus speaking says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need, uh, excuse me, knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Uh, Seeking the things of Christ means having a heavenly and a ministry mindset and dying to the desire for riches and the desire for greatness and other self-glorifications. That's seeking the things of Christ. Fourth principle, verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven character that as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Service is our next application in Christian fellowship and in the Christian life. The Greek word there translates literally as to be a slave to the gospel. Uh, God has given us commandments in his word and we are to carry those things out. He's given us the church here on the earth and called us to be a part of it. It's not optionally, but it's essentially uh, a part of our lives. And within the church, we find all sorts of opportunities to serve not only God, but to serve one another as well. There are all sorts of ministries that afford us the chance to take up the role of a bondservant and stoop down to do what Jesus did while he was on the earth. Uh, as you've seen me do, he said, go and do yourself. And, and so the church is where we get many, many opportunities to serve the Lord and to serve others. As we see in Timothy in this verse, as far as God is concerned, your character is proven by how you serve the Lord, how you serve the church, and how you serve the gospel. Uh, living the Christian life means fellowshipping through service to one another. Slave service, you know, not... Not super glorifying service most of the time, but being uh, a slave to the gospel and to the will of Christ. Verse 23, therefore I hope to send him at once as soon as I see how it goes with me. Uh, Remember, Paul was hoping that God was going to allow him to visit Philippi himself after uh, his imprisonment. But depending on what happened with his trial, he was planning to send Timothy because there was a need that that church had at the time. And so this brings us to our fifth perspective on fellowship, and that is sending We are called as believers and together to evaluate needs and then to send on behalf of others. Whether it was a gift of generosity, like the one that the Philippians sent to Paul, uh, or whether it was like what Paul was doing, uh, sending an actual person, Timothy, uh, who was being sent out as a minister and a pastor to this flock, because that was a need that they had during this difficult time in their church history. So as we share with one another, either within the local congregation or in the church at large, we're going to discover needs and gaps. And um, our part, the biblical response, isn't, oh, that's a shame. I hope that works out for people. But the biblical response is, Lord, what can we do about that? What can I send in order to serve those people and in order to edify those people? From that mindset and from that commitment to sending... God is going to direct us, just like he did Paul in the book of Acts. And we're so inspired when we read the book of Acts and see how God sent him all around and the different people there in the first century church We're inspired by that, but that's the model for us. It's not just a story that we can get excited about, it's a model for us of how God desires to direct us. You know, Paul's like, we wanted to go to Asia but the Spirit said, no, you can't go to Asia. We wanted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit said, no, you can't go to Bithynia. Instead, the Spirit wanted them to go to Macedonia, where he had a very special uh, work set out for them and so God makes uh, God directs us as we make ourselves available to go where he wants us to go Uh, this is the model that we found in the Bible of how God moves his people around as they are spirit filled and spirit led but if we're unwilling to go if we're apathetic if we're discompassionate if we don't really care you know that people have needs or that there are gaps that we could fill in um, if we're disinterested in being sent or sending of ourselves uh, then, then you know, then the Lord is going to have a hard time using us the way that He wants to. Um, you know, being disinterested in sending or being sent that, it, then the model. You know, isn't Paul in the book of Acts? You know, if if that's our attitude, if discompassion and disinterest and apathy is is more characterizing our hearts when it comes to reaching out to others, either locally or nationally, internationally, then we're more like Jonah back in the Old Testament than we are Paul in the book of Acts. And so, we need to have a commitment to sending and being sent as believers, fellowshipping together. We need to have a willingness to send help, send the gospel, send You know, assistance whether it's across the sanctuary here at church, across the uh, the the county here in our community, across the world. You know, we need to have Isaiah's heart. Here I am, Lord, send me. Uh, Maybe that means sending of our resources. Maybe that means sending of our time. Maybe that means actually sending of ourselves. You know, that's what we are called to. That's God's intention for the church and for His people. Not everyone is going to be called overseas, not everyone is going to be called into that sort of, you know, full-time vocational ministry, but every person, every Christian is called to minister, every single one of us. In the family, on the job, wherever, you know, the Lord has placed us, we are called to ministry. And so we need to be con- uh, committed to being sent. Finally, in verse 24, we see our sixth aspect of Christian fellowship. Verse 24, But I trust in the Lord that I myself shall come also shortly. Our fellowship with one another should be characterized by sureness. As we share, as we serve, as we seek God, as we do all of these things, we should be confident and sure that God is present, that God is alive, and that his desire is to move on behalf of his people and on behalf of the gospel. We should be people of faith is really what we're talking about. The Bible calls us to walk by faith and not by sight. So how do we receive that faith? As always, we receive it from the Lord, who does desire to give it to His people. You know, uh, if if we see God as withholding, or if we think of God as withholding, we need to, you know, we need to reject that idea and and understand that God desires to give us spiritual. He desires to gift us so that he can use us. And if we are faithful to ask God, say, Lord, give me faith, give me, you know, know, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief, that sort of sentiment, then he's going to do that because the Bible says, I want you to walk by faith, not by sight. And God never commands us to do something that he hasn't already enabled us to do. And so we are called to a special relationship together as Christians, as Christ's body here on the earth. We're called to live out our fellowship as the Lord intends, and to do that, we must take up these callings to share, to sincerity, to seek the Lord, to serve one another, to send ourselves and of our congregations, and then to rest in the surety of God's power and His plan for this world. Those are the identifiers of healthy Christian living, and those are the byproducts of godly fellowship with one another. And so it all begins with asking our Lord to bear those fruits in our lives, and then it takes our uh, action of stepping forward, stepping forward in faithful action as the Lord does bear those fruits in our lives. Not letting that fruit waste on the tree, but having that fruit go out and and bless people. This is the calling that we have as disciples together until we are forever with the Lord, glorified and completed in the place He's prepared for us. And so... um, Take these things to heart and, and go out in sincerity. Go out and share with the fellow believers. Serve them. Seek the Lord. And be sure in the fact that God desires to use you. He desires to fill you. And He desires to complete you uh, until the day of Christ Jesus.